At the height of the Black Lives Matter protests in the summer of 2020, sociologist Dana Weinberg collaborated on a complex survey looking for patterns of discrimination among book readers. A Queens College City University of New York professor and a crime novelist, Weinberg created an inconspicuous market research survey for Amazon's Enter crowdsourcing marketplace. Answer some questions for a book publisher. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. The study by Professor Weinberg and her Queens College collaborator, Adam Kapelner, declared, we will ask you to examine book covers and book descriptions and then to offer your opinions about the book. The team collected ratings of more than 25,000 book surveys across over 9,000 subjects, making the effort the largest experimental study of the book market to date. Subjects were presented with mocked-up book covers and descriptions from fiction and nonfiction genres. Using author names and photographs, the researchers signaled authors' race, gender, and age, and randomly assigned these combinations to each book presented. Subjects noted their interest in purchasing the book, their evaluation of the author's credentials, and the amount they were willing to pay for the book. Professor Dana Weinberg joins me now from New York to share the survey findings recently published in PLOS One. Welcome to the program, Dana. Thank you for having me, Chris. The context for your research not only was the social upheaval triggered in May 20 with the murder by Minneapolis police of George Floyd, but also the growing recognition that book publishing shows marked evidence of both gender and racial discrimination. Certainly questions about systemic racism in publishing weren't new, but the level of concern had risen considerably in 2020. In 2020, the entire country, I think, became focused on issues of race and inequality. Um, following in 2018, when we had done our, when uh, Professor Kapelner and I had done our first study about gender and publishing, um, and the Me Too movement had been very much on people's minds. In 2020, there was a hashtag on Twitter called Publishing Paid Me. Um, that was following, you know, in the in the wake of these these protests, people were writing in about how much money they were making from their publishers. And one of the things that became clear was that authors of color were not being paid at the same rate as uh, white authors. And all of this really matters, of course, because publishing is historically a, a cultural gatekeeper. Yes, up until self-publishing really took off, the publishers were the ones who decided who was going to get in front of the public. So what was going to be published, how it was going to be presented and marketed, what kind of signals there would be about its value, both as a cultural product and also something that consumers might want to buy. And so the publishers as gatekeepers really determined whose voices we, we heard and who got the spotlight. Now, now, by 2020, of course, a, a number of publishers were making statements of support for racial justice. They were talking about engaging in anti-racism workforce training, and they certainly pledged to publish more books by writers of color. What you set out to find was the, the marketplace circumstances that they were trying to accomplish this in. When you look at the history of publishing, you know, we do see a lot of whitewashing. We see that uh, the the employees of publishers are, are mostly white. Um, and so there's not a lot of diversity in the workforce itself in terms of who's making the decisions and, and who's doing the marketing and all of that. But then also there has been this history of 
uh, a lack of diversity in who's getting published. And when publishers have historically decided that they want to highlight voices of people of color, it's often been in niche markets, you know, writing about racism, for example, or um, writing about the lives of Black people or something, you know, along those lines. So that it's been very focused on a certain niche market where there's a sense that there would be a certain expertise or a certain audience. There's two potential sides to the story. One potential is that publishers are just discriminatory against women, against people of color, and they don't give those voices their due. And on the other side of it, there's sort of a rational actor argument to be made, which is that this is really about the consumer market and what consumers are willing to buy. At the end of the day, publishers want to make money. And so if they believe that the public is not going to buy books by Black authors or female authors or young authors, then those books are not going to get accepted for publication or promoted with the same kind of, of budget. And so we were trying to understand how much was coming from the publishers um, and, and what was really going on with the general public in terms of their attitudes towards different kinds of authors. What you're reminding us of is the increasing power that book readers, consumers have in this marketplace, particularly because of the dominance of online retailers. And it's in that space, in that uh, online platform space, where buyers, readers are making lots of decisions. They're discriminating themselves, not just the publishers. And not only that, it can also be the, the retailers themselves in terms of how they design their algorithms. And so you have a whole potential feedback loop of you know, possibly discrimination by publishers in terms of who gets published, discrimination by consumers in terms of the ratings and other things that and sales that actually go into the algorithms, and then the algorithms themselves depressing potentially the visibility of these different authors. And in previous research, uh, you had found some possible gender discrimination in price setting by both traditional publishers and, and independent authors, the, the self-published authors, so-called. And that research had, had pointed to potential for female names or, or female-dominated genres being priced lower than those uh, with male names or, or, or in male-dominated uh, genres. So what were you expecting then with all of that as background from this latest survey? Were you expecting to see similar patterns of discrimination? The findings of uh, lower value of work by women or in genres that were predominantly female and you know also thought of as being for women led us to do our first pilot experiment where we looked at two different genres. We actually looked at romances and thrillers and uh, looked at consumers' views of authors based on gender. And there we just used names. So in this new study, we decided to expand the number of genres so that we had both fiction and nonfiction um, and could really look across a range of expertise and expectations. And then we decided to go even further to bring in elements of race and age. And so we got very creative, both in terms of how the names were used, because generationally, there are certain names that you would hear more often, you know, Tanya for Generation X and Betty for, for the baby boomers um, and that kind of thing. So that there's a lot of encoding just in the names themselves. But then also we had accompanied this with pictures of authors. So we had um, a variety of Black authors of different ages and, and different genders and, you know, also white authors. So that they, we randomized which ones the the um, respondents would get, and just asked them about the book, and then we saw how they responded to which author was there. 
The questions and your approach was really thorough and, as you say, very creative. So tell us, what did you find? We found nothing. Well, that's not true. Uh, we didn't, in terms of discrimination, we didn't find anything that we expected to find. We, we didn't find any discrimination against Black authors, against female authors, or even against millennial authors, right? This idea that, you know, perhaps the, the younger generation doesn't know as much as the older generation or might not be as, as good. Um, so we didn't find any evidence of that kind of discrimination. And in fact, we also got a surprise, which was that here we were in the summer of the Black Lives Matter protests and our respondents, and as you said, there were more than 9,000 of them, um, on average showed that they were willing to pay more for books by Black authors to the tune of about three and a half percent, which translated to about 50 cents a book, which doesn't sound like that much in itself. But when you think about the life cycle of a book and how many sales there are, that can actually add up to a very large difference in favor of Black authors. There's a openness or receptivity to books by people of color in the marketplace that we should find encouraging and, and take advantage of. At the very least, we find that there's no basis for the publishers to discriminate against different kinds of authors that the, you know, the readers, as long as there was a, a description of the author as having the credentials and, you know, all of the markings of coming from the book publishers here that we, that we had done, that readers really weren't sensitive to the identities of the authors. Or, you know, in the most positive case, that they were actually really welcoming of this diversity of voices, especially ones that had been underrepresented. And so the economic arguments of if we publish books by these kinds of authors, we're not going to sell them and we're not going to make back our money just don't hold. And in fact, it looks like there is an opportunity for greater profitability. Professor Dana Weinberg, thank you very much for sharing your research with us today. Thank you for having me. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burris Marketing. You can subscribe to the program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for joining me on this Philosophy of Content podcast from CCC. 